Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the third episode of the Single Dads Why You Mad podcast, where we, two single dads, talk about and reflect on our lives as single fathers, co-parenting and living life. I'm David. I'm a single dad to my one and only child. His name is Miles. My allergies are kicking my ass this week. Who was uh, born when I turned 50, uh, and he is the love of my life. Uh, I'm Clark. I am a single father, age 43, to three girls, ages 18, 12, and 11. I had my first kid at 25, and uh, it feels like a thousand years ago. For anybody who's new, define what a single dad is. So for our purposes, and you guys who have joined us previously, you've heard this before, for you guys who are just joining in, it bears repeating and hearing for the first time. A single dad is not just somebody who throws money at rearing their children. There's somebody who's actively involved in stewarding their kids unto adulthood. You are actively parenting your kids uh, and you share the responsibility or have total responsibility for raising your children. So for me, what that means is that uh, me and my son's mom share my son, meaning he lives with her and he lives with me equally throughout the month. So 15 days he's with her and 15 days he's with me. Currently, the schedule is that he's with me on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. He's with her on Friday, Saturday, and Sundays. And we alternate Mondays with the exception that on Mondays that are a major holiday, he's with her. So he goes to her the night before and he stays with her all of that day. And he's usually back to me or back in daycare the following day. And, and we have a very similar setup where uh, we split physical custody of our kids 50-50. Uh, realistically, I have them at least four nights a week. She has them three. But in general, we get along well enough where we give each other a bit of flex. So for instance, like my ex-wife was in uh, out of the state on business and I had the kids for you know an extra few days. And if I ever have to get on a plane and travel or you know do an overnight somewhere, she'll more than happily take the kids. We also want to remind you guys that uh, we do not claim to be experts on child rearing, dating, relationships, co-parenting, or be experts in dealing with baby mamas. As you listen to what we have to say, you will find that we butt our heads a bit against the baby mama situation an awful lot. Uh, we are exactly the opposite. We're learning on the job, we're sharing our experiences with you guys, and then we're uh, reflecting about them in this forum. So. Uh, I guess we should dive right in. And uh, I know it's been a, about two weeks since we last spoke officially. What's new? What's been going on? So uh, as you know, I was in, or well, we, meaning my son and uh, me and my son's mom, were in custody court working out a schedule. You know, what the best schedule is, considering now that she has an evening job. Um, yep. We've been going back and forth to court on this since September of last year, so probably about seven months. Yep. And we just wrapped with summary arguments yesterday. So the judge says, I believe he said he was gonna have a decision in two weeks or one week, I don't remember exactly. And then, um, you know, based upon whatever that decision is, the, uh, the custody shall shift and we shall see. Oh, so it's still up in the air at this point and just waiting for the judge's final bang of the gavel and decision. Correct. How about yourself? How was your uh, week? My week was good, man. My, my week has been incredibly busy, which, you know, single dad to three daughters, that's always the case. You know, we have graduation coming up. So yes. My, yes. 
my youngest daughter is leaving elementary school. My eldest daughter is leaving high school. So this coming week is going to be bun noodles. Um, from a work standpoint, just you know, running around the place. I, I shared this with you earlier. I met Vin Baker, uh, former NBA player, this week. And it's a very rare man that makes me feel like Kevin Hart when I stand next to him. He's a tall guy. Dude, I, I showed somebody the picture, and they were like, you look like somebody standing next to their uncle during their first communion. Like, <laughs> he, he, Dude had me dwarfed. You know, busy week as always, but good stuff. Just all good stuff. And, you know, I'm blessed for the opportunities I come across. them. blessed that my kids, you know, only make me drink moderately. So, so, so what was the event that you had to meet with Vinny Baker? Sure. So uh, w without letting uh, a lot of things out of the bag, because uh, I'm not sure how much of it is proprietary or not, uh, Vin, you know, he's been very public with his, with his struggles and his situation since leaving the NBA and you know, has, has been back on the rise. He's coaching, assistant coaching for the Milwaukee Bucks right now. And he's also working on some nonprofit ventures, uh, some charity ventures. Me and a group of people were tied into that. So we're, you know, there's more to come, but I'm not sure how much I'm supposed to be sharing, so I'm keeping it kind of quiet right now. So in addition to holding down a full-time job, taking care of or co-parenting three girls, you're also doing volunteer work. Yeah, I've, I've always been uh, pretty involved in, especially as an adult, you know, like I wish I had done a lot more when I was in Brooklyn, but living here in Connecticut and being involved in a lot of the community organizations and I head up like the black professionals group for my company, the statewide black professional group. I, I think it's very important to give back, but it also ties into something that I say a lot, like the idea that representation matters. You don't know that something exists or you don't know that an opportunity exists very often until somebody, until you create it yourself, which is very rare, or you see somebody else like you doing it. You know, so I, I try to be out in the forefront and show people who are involved and struggling and trying to get to from point A to point B, like, hey, there's somebody that looks exactly like you or kind of like you that's out here doing it. Let's do it together. And if, if I can save you stepping into the potholes I stepped in or banging your head against the walls I banged into, I'm more than happy to do it. But it, it, interestingly, as I talk about like the charitable side and the work side, I think that ties in very heavily into what our our topic this week is M-O-N-E-Y. Go ahead. Go ahead. I thought you'd be jumping in, but no, uh, I, it's a sensitive subject for me, but go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. You know, so all the work that goes into raising kids, you know, we talk, we talk about being a single dad and the importance of being there. How so, not just writing a check is, is not the only thing that you can do, that there are other things to do, but you still got to write that check. Facts. Absolute facts. You know, how much does it cost to raise a kid in the United States and how the fuck do we afford it? And then when you don't live in the house with the person that you have that kid with, then how do you say, so I'm pretty sure, right, that if I lived in the same place and was in a relationship with somebody, that there still might be some sort of who's paying for what, what do you think they need versus what do I think the kids need and whether or not we should get that and, and then who pays for it and how much do we pay for it? You know, do we go get it over here versus do we go get it over there? I'm pretty sure that goes on when you live with and are in a relationship with somebody and you love or at least like that person very much, um, which is why you're there, right? Sometimes. Sometimes, right? So you can imagine, and I'm pretty sure 
everybody knows how difficult that is to do when you don't live at the same place with that person. And, you know, you have a set of priorities as to what you believe is important, and they got another set of priorities as to what they believe is important. You know, it's easier to agree on that stuff when you're living together, but when you're living apart, the attitude is, well, fuck what you think. You know, I ain't got to deal with that shit. So how do I manage or do you manage those expenses with our co-parents is, you know, a big deal for me. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, you and I, they, we email some stats back and forth and especially in my line of business, like dealing with clients, we talk about this kind of stuff an awful lot. And I find myself talking about it a lot with other single dads, like trying to figure it out. Like you think about the median household income annually. Median household income. Let's, what is that? That's roughly what? $61,000. And that was based on a 2017 statistic. Yeah, but I mean, like, what does median household income mean, I guess, in the first place? So for, for the purposes of, of the statisticians, the median household income, and you got to remember, households are just individual households, not necessarily with additional income or families. Just if you take the, the, the most, the middle occurring, kind of the midway point okay. for income, okay. it's about $61,000. Now you got people who earn an awful lot more than that, and you have a lot of households that earn a lot less than that. If you look at like um, some other stats and some other calculations on it, family, like if you look at a family uh, income, it's a little lower. It's maybe about 53. So that's like a family of four, if, if memory serves me on the stat, where it's... So a family of four is living off $53,000 a year. On, on, I'm, and not even on average, I guess in the middle, somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle. So that's a family of four. So, you know, mom and dad and two kids, generally. Mom and dad and two kids are living on $53,000 a year. Now, now what's crazy is both of us being New Yorkers, that's not a lot of money. It's not a lot of money at all. Like, not a lot of money to live single by yourself. Right. Because like, the, the idea is that, you know, in New York, a family of four needs at least ninety-eight grand to suffice to afford okay. basic needs. Yeah, that sounds. I mean, even right. that's rough for, for for a family of four. But go ahead. So, like, and tying back into like even my experiences, like when I left the city. So I came up here in two thousand two, and I remember reading a report that said if you lived in sections of Lower Manhattan and you as a family made less than a hundred grand a year, you qualified for subsidized housing. You know, or, or even more recently, another report I was reading about you know, the gentrification of Brooklyn, where less than 40% of people who live in Brooklyn can actually afford to live in Brooklyn and meet their basic needs. You know, and then you tie in the idea of having kids, where the idea of raising a kid, according to these stats, raising a kid up until age 17 can cost you Two hundred and thirty thousand plus dollars, and that's not including college costs. So, if you want your kid to go to school, that's an additional cost in your, for you and that kid's parents. So, for seventeen years, a kid costs you two hundred and thirty thousand dollars. So, the math on that—what is the math on? Let me let me hold on. Let me let me just look right. Right. So, so whatever math you do, just remember that's times three in my case. So, two thirty-three mm -hmm. divided by seventeen mm -hmm. is thirteen thousand dollars a year. So on average, it costs $13,000 a year to raise a kid. Thereabouts. So let me invert. So if I do the inverse of this, right? If I do the invert, okay, let me compare this to what I got going on, right? Mm -hmm. So if I take 
my son's daycare. And then yeah. I add in his medical and I add in his diapers and wipes and clothing. Forget about food because he eats with me. So I'm not even going to count that. That for me is about $1,700 a month, which is about $20,000 a year. So I guess, yeah, I guess it does cost that much. Oh, if, 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 you, if you're figuring in daycare, it does cost that much. But think about that. That's, that's jungle book style, bare necessities. That's like, you know, this isn't like including if I decide to take my kid on vacation or my kid plays a sport. Shout out to the suburban hockey parents because statistically that's the most expensive sport your kid can play. And it eats up your entire life because you're, you're driving from state to state all weekend long, you know, renting hotel rooms for your kid to compete in a sport that they probably won't play professionally. You know, shout out to lacrosse too, because that's also expensive. This is the bare necessities of raising your kid, not the incidentals. You know, this is the need to have shit, not the want to have. Not braces. Not braces. Oh, son, braces. Oh, Lord. How much are braces? You had, your kid had braces, right? Yeah, my oldest has braces. The middle one is about to get them, and the youngest one is going to need them. There, there was one point you where snake I, eyes on the braces? Son! Son, ah, ah, y'all want to cry every time I'm walking at orthodontist office. Oh, shit. The first orthodontist we went to, these dudes are trying to tax me for 250 bucks a month. I'm sorry. So what do you mean by that? Because so they put the braces on and then the braces are on. And, no. and then the upkeep. Like basically. What do you what do you, I have no idea what you're talking about. All right. So when your kid goes and you, you take your kid to get braces, they do an initial assessment. They put the braces on. And then about once a month, they clean the teeth. They make sure nothing's damaged or broken. You know, they change the wire and tighten it to make sure, that, you know, the teeth are being aligned properly. It's basically a tune-up. So you got to get a tune-up every month? Yeah, like, uh, like once monthly. And that's once $250 a month? Well, the, the overall cost, the way that they factored it out, it was like $250 a month, the first place I went. So I went to them, you know, I put a down payment down, and then I was like, yeah, nah, fuck that. And I found another dentist that was running a special, and my insurance covered a, 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 a nice portion of it. Are you so, telling me insurance doesn't cover braces? Depends on your insurance. Like, I switched employers, I, I and I got a better insurance coverage. So my out-of-pocket for my oldest daughter's braces is probably going to be about two grand. You still got to pay a deductible. Yeah, but I'm like, I'm doing a monthly payment thing. So now this dude, the, the payments are like a hundred bucks a month or something like that. Times three. Yeah, ultimately times three. Right now it's just one of them. Shit. So um, the cost to raise a kid is about 230000 right? Yeah. Um, I did the math on that. That's about uh, 13000 a year. Right. right, but like I said, that's 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 bare minimum. That's like, oh, yeah, I've got to pay for food, or I've got to pay probably for you know medical coverage, but uh -huh. not medical expenses. Shit, my, my my youngest kid had a visit to the emergency room. That's a grand. So it, like, it, it just really, really depends, man. Like, they, like when they throw out these stats, they don't go into the nitty gritty of it all. They they they're basically touching on the surface, and then it becomes you know as a single parent. How do we divide these costs? How do we figure this out and how do we factor, factor in who pays for what? Because I think you made an amazing point in the beginning of, of uh, you know, as you were introducing this, like when you live in a household with somebody, for the most part, you're both pulling the sled in the same direction. You know, when you're living away from someone, you both have your own agenda. You have separate lives, you have separate priorities, and then it becomes, okay, how do we factor this in and figure it out? For the most part. I mean, because you can live with somebody and completely be on different pages 
in terms of money, which my ex-wife will tell you that we've, we've always been on different pages. So speaking for my situation right now, because I basically pay for everything, meaning yep. his health care is on me, I pay for the daycare up front. She contributes weekly a certain portion. From where I sit, you know, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure she'll tell you something else. Uh, I buy all his clothes. I don't ask no question. I, I ain't trying to negotiate nothing. If I'm paying for the daycare, and yeah, we agree on the daycare he's in right now. If I'm paying for the daycare up front, and I decide I don't want to put him in that daycare no more, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to take him out of there, and I'm going to put him someplace else. And it's not like I'm not going to have a conversation and say, hey, as an example, right? I was looking at this apartment in downtown Brooklyn. You know, I filled out one of these applications where they call it affordable housing, right? Yep. Which is bullshit, really, because the rent is the rent was exactly what I'm paying now in market rate housing, right? Right. Um, but except it was a two bedroom unit, and I just have a large one bedroom unit. Plus, I'm on a really high floor. You know, I got a terrace. I'm overlooking Harlem, so you know, I'm pretty sure why that's my why my joint is jacked up. But uh, the rent was the same except that that was a two bedroom unit and there was no outdoor spaces, right? So I went down and I looked at it, right? It's in downtown Brooklyn. And when I say downtown Brooklyn, I mean downtown Brooklyn. It is, so you know where the new Apple store is, right? You know, I, I don't know where the Apple store is. I know where Barclays and, you know. Right across is. the street. Okay. Right across the street. Yeah. Right across the street. Looking right at Barclays, right across the street, brand new building. The Apple store is right across the street also. So I go, I look at this apartment, right? I'm looking at schools in the neighborhood. It's in a district that has the number 10 or nine or the school, this public school, elementary school is in the top nine schools in New York City, right? Wow. And that says a lot because there's like 2,000 public schools in New York City, right? Plus or minus. Oh, yeah. So if you're in the top 10, that's saying something for an elementary school, right? And that's saying something for the gentrification of Brooklyn because downtown is where you used to go to get robbed. Uh, I remember that neighborhood when it looked like Beirut, but uh, so I, 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 so I said, okay, this may be a good deal. And I remember getting in court, right. And saying that I'm considering moving in, you know, to Brooklyn. And the judge was like, well, you know, what about childcare? Whatever. I said, well, what do you mean? What about childcare? And he's like, uh, well, he's in childcare in Harlem right now. I said, yeah, well, if I go to Brooklyn, he's, I, I'm going to get childcare. I mean, yeah, I'm going to get daycare or put him in a school that's out there next to me. And, you know, the attitude from the judge and, you know, from her counsel, you know, was like, well, how are you going to do that? And I just looked at both of them and said, because I'm paying for it. So I'm going to do whatever it is I want to do. And, <laughs> dude, I don't give a fuck, yo. I don't give a fuck who it is. I don't give a fuck what color that robe is. I don't give a fuck where you I said, because I'm paying for it. If she want to put him somewhere else, then let her pay for it. Yo, you are a savage ass savage. Yo. So, so they both looked at me, but what were they gonna say? Right. You're gonna order me to keep my kid in a daycare? So then the judge asked, Well, what about travel? I said, What do you mean, what about travel? He says, Well, how's she supposed to get him? I said, What do you mean, how's she supposed to get him? I don't understand what the question is. Like, what are you asking me? Are you asking me that on the days that he's she's supposed to have him, I'm gonna bring him up to Harlem? And on the days that um, I'm supposed to get him. I'm supposed to come up to Harlem and get him. You know, somebody needs to ask the question out loud so that right. when you ask it out loud, you see how dumb it sounds while you're asking it. It's like when I give people relationship advice or they ask me for relationship advice. I said, yo, you're in a situation. Pretend it's one of your friends asking you this same question. Say that shit aloud and see how stupid it sounded. I think it's very important to find that balance 
with, with, with your co-parent. And not all of us can do it, you know, and it doesn't always happen. Like, you know, I said in the last podcast, my ex-wife and I were going through a period where we were just like, yo, I'm not fucking with you right now. You know, and we do that. We, we, we split 10 years ago. We've been divorced for seven and we have absolutely gone as long as like six months without saying anything other to each other than the kids need this or I need you to be at this place at this time. So, so striking that balance, especially when money's in the picture, can be very difficult. So, so the thing that gets me about these statistics though, right? If it's for a family of four and it costs $200,000 to raise a kid, even if you discount that to 150, right? Over yeah. the 12 years, let's just say it's $10,000 a year versus the 13 or whatever else it is. That's $20,000 a year. If you got two kids and you're in a family of four and your average salary is somewhere in the 50 to even $60,000. This is where it means it's cheaper for your girl or your wife to stay home and take care of the kids versus go out to get a job. Like, and, I'm, and it's funny. So as we look at these numbers, right, and we look at the mathematics, and I shared this in the earlier episodes, but in the beginning of my relationship, and for the most part of my relationship with my ex-wife, I was the only one working. And part of it was us going, yo, we got three kids. It's going to be incredibly expensive to put these kids in daycare for you to go out and work. And when we went through the, when we were going through the divorce, the first year we were like, we were still legally married. So we were married filing se filing separately. And we were like, look at the finances. I was like, holy shit. Cause she decided to go back to work. And I was like, this is the most money we've ever had in our household. But it's not about what you make. It's about what you keep. So in our case, we had, now we had to start paying for daycare for the youngest, uh, for the two youngest. So that was roughly like, you know, four fifty, five hundred $500 a week. That's what, like, we'll, we'll call it two grand, two grand a month. So that's just for the little ones. And then my older daughter who was in elementary school at the time, we had to put her in an after school program because both of us were now working and nobody was there to get her off the bus. And so that ended up being like another $400 a month. $2,500 a month. That's more so, than I was paying for my fucking mortgage. So right. in order for that to make sense, right? In right. Order for somebody to go out um, uh, and get a job to compensate for that, you mm -hmm. should really be making four times that amount because, so you need to go out and make, if you're going to spend 2,500 bucks a month or $25,000 a year, you need to go out and get a job that at least 75 to $100,000 a year to compensate which, for that. Which she was not making. But that's what happens when you're pulling in two separate directions. And it's wild because I, I remember going through the divorce and one of my mentors, one of my really, really good friends, he was like, are you sure you want to do this? Because divorce is the most financially ruinous thing you can do to your family. And I was like, bro, number one, I'm not the one who chose this. Number two, it is what it is. You know, this is where we are and we got to figure this out. It's also funny because I have a, a lot of conversations with people, especially with the advent of social media and watching people floss and, and, and people putting their best life on social media. And it's always like, how do they afford that? How do they do that? You know, how are they going on vacation every year? Or how are they affording this expensive car? How are they able to take care of all these things you know, or, 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 or buy all these things? And one of the things that I try to explain to people, you know, there's a couple of layers to this shit. It's firstly, most of the time they are in two income households, which make a world of difference. If you have two people bringing income into the household, that makes the world a difference. Secondly, they're generally pulling in the same direction. And the third thing, and, and this is a commentary on social media as well as on finance, is what I refer to as the SWAN principle. 
If you go out to a lake or you go out to a pond and you see a swan, all you see is this beautiful, graceful bird gliding across the surface of the water. Meanwhile, its little legs are thrashing like a motherfucker to keep it afloat. And that's how a lot of people live their lives financially. They don't make a lot of money. We like we got the stats, we got the numbers right here. The average family of four makes $53,000 a year. How the fuck if somebody is making $53,000 a year with two spouses working and their kids are in daycare, maybe they're in, in, in school and the school is providing you know some level of, of childcare for you. How the fuck are you going on vacation every year? How are you affording an East Saint Laurent belt? Why are you trying to be, driving a Benz? So you got to start you know doing the juggle and figure out like, how are they robbing Peter to pay Paul? Maybe it's all on credit. Maybe they're living with a relative. Maybe they're living in a shitty neighborhood and their kids are going to a shitty public school so they can floss and look rich for the people around them. So these are like the interesting things that go to my mind whenever I think about the balancing of the finance and when people try to figure out how somebody else is living that life with that finite amount of income. Yeah, if you're interested in keeping up the Jones, keeping up with the Joneses or whatever and else they call it. Yeah. Scarily, most people are. So speaking of that then, right, one of the things I saw on this chart in the statistics is annual two-parent, two-child family budgets in 10 largest family budget areas in 2014, right? So New York was number one. So this is a two-child, two-parent budget. They make 98722 You go to Philadelphia, it drops by 20000 to seventy six. You go to Los Angeles, California, Hollywood, it's down to 73000 Chicago, Illinois, 71000 Riverside, San Bernardino, California, I have no idea what the fuck that is, 67009 Phoenix, Arizona, 67004 Detroit, Michigan, 64,000. Atlanta, Georgia, 63,000. Motherfuckers is living like kings, and this shit looks nice when you look at uh, all of the shows down there in Atlanta, right? right? But I guess it's cheaper to live down there also. Dallas, right. Texas, 61,000. And then Houston, Texas, 60,000. For a family of four, two children living in a house. God now, damn. That's not the income, that's how much it costs. That's, that's what you should be making in order to meet your bare necessity. So, oh, okay, I read it wrong. So that's not the income, that's what it costs. That's the budget. Yeah. That's the budget. That's what you need to have in order to support your family. That, that was like the crazy shit for me coming from New York and living in Connecticut because people complain about, people who live in Connecticut complain about Connecticut and they're like, oh, the taxation and oh, it's expensive. I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, the way they, they, they shape the taxation is kind of shitty here but it's still a lot less than what you got to pay in New York. Cause New York, you got New York state tax and you got New York city tax. Correct. You know, Connecticut, like you got state taxes and like, Oh yeah, you have to pay property tax to your town. Meaning you have to pay taxation on your house and you have to pay taxation on like your vehicle, which flips people out when they come here. Still in all the cost of living is a lot less expensive than New York. And what you get, is is significantly more and i think we talked about this before like the idea of like me moving here and my family members thinking like my house cost me an extraordinary amount of money because i had a little bit of land around it you know and then you look at my sister who lives in atlanta and she paid slightly less than i paid for my house and she had like a seven bench seven bedroom semi mansion you know because the cost of living gets significantly less but then it becomes that trade-off like what do you get for what you pay for 
what are the taxes like up there in Connecticut? And I'm talking property taxes or the school taxes that go along with property taxes. Right. So it's like it's all fed into the property taxes, and it really depends on the town you're in. So like my town, known as a high tax town, but we have pretty good infrastructure. Meaning, if it snows, they come and they clear my roads pretty quickly. Or if there's potholes, they cover them up. We have like street light. Like my kid's school, the, the high school that my daughter goes to was rated the number one public high school in Connecticut for a couple of years running. And, and it goes back and forth with a couple of the other high schools. That's why I pay the taxes. But the crazy shit is like, you'll get people who live here and go, yo, the year my kid graduates, I'm out. Cause I don't want to pay these taxes anymore. So you're saying the taxes are pretty high up there. The ta- yeah, the taxes are steep, man. The taxes yeah. are steep. But by comparison to living in New York, it's still a deal. And the because amount of, of everything you get that goes along with it is what you're saying. Right. So like you could like you could be paying, let's say for instance, like argument's sake, all in, my mortgage is two grand a month. You could be paying two grand a month for an apartment in certain parts of New York. I am. Right. And more. I'm paying more than that. Right. And then you and then you still have to figure out the school situation for your kid on top of that money that you're paying just for a roof over your head. Um, So one of the things that came up in these statistics, the tax filing status or the the adjusted gross income, and they named one, two, three, four different types. So married filing jointly is 117,000. Right. Married filing separately is 64,000. Why people do that shit, I have no idea. Head of household, which is a single person, probably with a kid. You gotta be a kid if you wanna file for head of household because that means you got dependents. 35,000 it fucking drops to. Widow, widower, 57,000 it jumps up. And then single, 34,000. So right after that, one of the things it says is that the 2017 real median earnings of all male workers increased 3% from 2018, while real median earnings to their female counterparts saw no statistically significant change between 2016 and 2017. So there was definitely something that um, this reminded me of when I read that. I remember when my son was first born, right? His mom and I were still together, right? And this was before I knew much about child support. All I used to do is hear niggas complain about child support. And women complain about, you know, how, and my female friends, right, complain about how they weren't receiving child support or how they didn't want to get the courts involved to go get child support or whatever else it was, right? Or if they were getting child support, it was bullshit money, you know, $50 a week, $70 a week, some shit like that, right? $500 a month, let's just say. And the first thing I had to do before I even brought my kid home was to go get a child, a a, a car seat. And that bitch was $500, right? By the time I got the insert, by the time I got the fucking seat, by the time I got the fucking attachment, no other sort of bullshit. That shit was $500. Then I had to get a crib. Although we weren't rowing in the same direction, the crib was $1,000 because that's the crib she wanted. And if I remember correctly, I think her girlfriends came together and bought that. So I don't think I had to spend money on that. But the other thing I had to get was a stroller. That shit was another $500. And I remember posting on Instagram and saying to myself, and saying, you know, I don't know how anybody's doing it, especially women on whatever this child support dollars are supposed to be, right? Because right. you got to get cribs. You got to get bottles, fucking formula cost a motherfucker. Diapers, man, I can't tell you how many diapers I blew through that fucking first six months. We blew through them motherfuckers, right? right? The shit is just expensive. So, you know, the fact that, again, women don't make as much as men, and uh, there's a whole lot of women doing this by themselves, you know, I, I, 
I guess I just really want to pat them on the back when I'm saying that. No, I, I, absolutely, man. And, and you think about it, like, I remember moving to Connecticut and somebody stealing our car. They stole my car. We were walking out the walking out of the apartment to take our daughter to a doctor's appointment, and our car was no longer in the parking spot. And we're like, "Oh shit!" Finally got the car back a few days later, and the motherfucker stole the car seat. And I'll tell you, because we were driving a shitty old ass Honda Accord, I was like, "Yo, listen, man, I would have preferred they kept the fucking yeah. car seat, son. <laughs> Just give me back the car seat, because now I gotta figure out how I'm buy." This fucking car seat that cost an arm and a leg. I don't think ours was five hundred bucks, but I, I remember being like, yo, maybe like two and change. So uh, <laughs> I'm a sucker, right? Yeah. And if you know, she walked me into Baby's R Us or whatever else it is, and said, "This is the one I want." I just got the shit because it was just easier than having a conversation about how. That that's that's another episode in itself, you know, in in, in terms of like you know the shit you just do without thinking about it. Especially when when you're in love or you're 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 finding your your level as parents together, what, what we call in Trinidad Basudi and Toto Bay. You know what I'm saying? Like you just dumb. I, I've absolutely been there, man. I look back at, at the at the dollars and cents that came out of my pocket. And I'm like, I can't believe I bought that. Or I paid for that. Speaking of dollars and cents, right? The New York Child Support Standards Act. So what is this thing? The Child Support Standards Act was developed to ensure that child support awards in New York State were Ooh. fair and consistent. The goal is to give children the same standard of living they would have if their parents were together. I don't understand how that's supposed to be. Because I, I know Connecticut has something very similar where the idea is they look at the aggregate income. They look at both of your incomes and they go, okay, what would it be like if this income was split 50-50 because we want the kids to have functionally similar lifestyles in both households. And whoever is making more money has to pay into the other one because there's a financial shortfall. So yeah, financial shortfall, right? So one is supposed to help the other. Like if they eat, you know, Fruit Loops at your place, they shouldn't have to go and eat Cheerios at the other place. They should be able to eat Fruit Loops at the other place also, right? But they say in addition to the basic support award, the child support award order must also include medical support which is above and beyond the money right? right which means health insurance and payments for any out-of-pocket medical expenses either parent may be required to provide health insurance coverage for the child if it is available at a reasonable cost the basic award may be increased to include child care expenses such as daycare and that other stuff right yeah and then here's how it breaks down in new york so if you have one child they expect you to come up with 17 percent if you have two children, 25%. If you got three children, 29%. If you got four children, 31%. And right. then if you got five children, at least 35% of your income. Jeez. So I did some math on that shit, right? 17%, if you have one child, that $230,000 means that you should be able to come up with $1,145 a month, right? There's dudes, there's not even just dudes, there's people who don't see that shit in their check in a fucking month. I'm going to get to that, right? So, so if you were going to afford that, right, if I did the inverse, right, you need to be able to make $80,000 a year if that's going to be 17% of your income. Right. So if, you are, if you're going to be able to afford the 233 at 17%, then you need to make $80,000 a year, right? That's just the inverse of that, right? If you right. make $80,000 a year, right, that's about $6,700 a month, you know, in salary. I minus 20% out for that just off the top for taxes. Income taxes, federal income tax, social security tax, all of a sudden. I knocked 20% off. I know that's cheap, but I'm being generous, right? Then we said $2,500 a month in rent is the average, right? Plus or minus, right? Yeah. And then I knocked another four, another $800 off of that for like 401k, medical insurance, all that other sort of stuff that comes out of that. 
So you are basically left, if you live alone and you have a child with somebody else and you're paying that maximum um, 17% of $2,000 a month, what does $2,000 a month get you for your life living out here today as a single guy, especially if you want to date somebody else? And I said you're left with $2,000 a month? Yeah. You ain't got no car. There's no car. There's no car insurance. That's not your own food. That's not your own clothing. That's not your own light bill. That's not your own con ed or whatever else it is that goes along with that. That's $2,000 a month for everything you could, that's not cable, that's not uh, uh, internet, nothing. At the end of the day, nothing. You could be left with nothing. It's cheaper to keep her. This goes back to what I just said, where my boy was like, divorce is the most financially ruinous thing you can do to your family. Like, to think about it, right? You, what, what did you say? It was 80, how much thousand you need to make? $80,000 in order to... Uh, carry that uh, uh, that uh, two hundred thirty thousand dollars over the lifetime of the kid. So eighty grand a year annual income that puts you pretty close to like the top ninety percent of income earners in the United States. And you're still struggling at the end of the month. And you're still struggling. And then you look at the way that finances are, are, are structured in this country, where yo you've got to pay child support or you've got to you got to raise your kids. Not even just child support. You know, let's let's say you're just actively you're making this money and you're trying to raise your kids, and you're trying to do right by your kids. Are you making $80,000 without a college degree for the most part? So you're saying you got student, boom, I forgot that, student loans. You got student loans in that bitch. Few and far between, few and far between. So now you got student loans chomping at your ass. I will tell you, like, in, in my line of business, sitting across from people and helping them with their finances, right? I have seen three things that financially fuck you up. Two of which are specifically American problems. Divorce or separating from, from the, the parent of, of your child, student loans, and medical bills. I've sat there across from people who were like, yo, I need this operation, but it's going to tax for me to get this shit. So I'm going to just walk around fucked up. And it took me 10, 15 years from my divorce to start building back up, even though I make two fifty, three hundred thousand dollars $300,000 a year. Because I was married for 10 years, and I had to pay child support and alimony. And then the student loan shit, like, I, man, I, I could tell you horror stories all day. And God forbid you got all three of these monsters eating at your ass. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh-huh. Yeah. Very rarely does anybody only have one of these problems. Right. They usually I, have two. They usually right. got two out of the three. Right. Two out of if three. If you got the trifecta, forget it. Just give up. So one of the last things, one of the last things here is that, um, and uh, this one's for you, Chris, because I'm not there yet. I'm 17, 16, 15 years away. Uh, according to the College Board, the average cost of tuition and fees for the 2017-2018 school year is $34,740 at private colleges and $9,000, almost $10,000 for state residents at public colleges and 25,000 for out-of-state residents um, attending public universities. Which one y'all do? Which one y'all going to? Y'all rowing, like, rowing the same direction for that? Let, let me tell you like what I've realized about school too, right? The numbers are, are like, these numbers are accurate for median costs, but- Ah, you're uh, saying that's right? the average cost. Right, that's average cost. And I, and I say like, it, it's really crazy because I look back at like my undergraduate experience and I did the math on this the other day. My undergraduate experience at Brooklyn College, big up to CUNY, I spent 12 grand in total for my bachelor's degree. And that was me going, don't worry about it, pops. I got it. Working part-time and paying for, uh, paying for a semester or two of school. I had no loans 
for undergrad. You no, know, meanwhile, there's kids that I talk to. I, I'll give you an example of this young lady that I that I met. She was working in a sandwich shop. She was three quarters of the way through her degree, and the anxiety of student loan debt got so heavy that she was like, "Fuck it, I'm not digging myself any. I'm not digging myself any deeper into the hole." Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in student loan debt for three quarters of a degree. Was she living on it? She must have been living on the student loan. She probably was. She yeah. probably was. But if you think about certain schools, let's say you go to a school and the annual cost of the school is 70 grand or 80 grand for a private university. That's not far-fetched for you to be 250 in a hole and not really living off of it other than paying your, your tuition. And then if you try to live off of it, meaning you take the maximum that they'll let you get in any one year, you could be spending a hundred grand a year. Yeah. Right. For for a bachelor, for a bachelor's degree. For a bachelor's degree. Which right? is which is basically turning into a high school diploma. Um and, as as we go on. Right. And then you come out looking for a job and you don't know what you want to do, even though you have the degree. Correct. Or you don't go into the industry that you got the degree in. So you spent Two hundred and fifty grand to get a degree in underwater basket weaving. Trash. And then, and then now you're working in a call center. Trash. And and that's the problem that a lot of these kids run into. So like my daughter, my oldest daughter, she's she like I give credit to her. She's incredibly financially savvy in a lot of ways. She's frugal as fuck. And she got into a school and she's looking at the math of it. And she goes, yo, you know what, daddy? I'm not sure what I want to do. Like I have a very good idea. And she says. Even so, I can go to a local school for the first two years, get all of my required classes out of the way for a fraction of the cost, go to a big name school for the last two years, and then with the line of business that I want to go into, I could pay all that shit off in like a year or two. And I was like, yo, you a genius, do your thing. But that shit is expensive. Yeah, this shit is trash. This shit is trash. You know? And, and from a parental standpoint now, because you got a lot of people, I'm like, it's very rare that you have somebody who has a kid that they don't love. They have a kid that frustrates the fuck out of them, but it's very rare you have a kid that you don't love. And as somebody who loves their kid and looking at this student loan situation that the vast majority of college graduates are in, you know, we're, we're essentially bankrupting our intellectuals. And that's, a, that, that's another rant I can get on in a minute. But the struggle that you have for these parents with this finite income that most Americans make is do I pay for my kid to go to school so that they can go free and clear and, you know, potentially live their lives and make more income or do I save for retirement? And which one did you pick? For a lot of people, it's not in the cards to do both. It's so which one did you pick? I have my own student loans from going to grad school. <laughs> I have medical bills from being hospitalized and I'm divorced. So I choose none. <laughs> so you just pay it as it comes in. As quick as it comes in, it goes out. That's the end of it. Absolutely. It goes back to the first thing I said. It's not what you make. Because on paper, people go, oh, you make a lot of money. But it's not what you make. It's what you keep. And so, it, you know, like it go, going back to the, what I said about like when me and my ex split and we're looking at our combined incomes. Our combined incomes at that time had us in like the top 5% of income earners in the, no, top 10% of income earners in the United States, top 1% of minority income earners. And that was like 10 years ago. This money shit is real. Yeah, but we got to move on. So I wanted to know if you had anybody that you wanted to talk about with respect to uh, taking out the trash. You know what? I don't have an individual for taking out the trash, but it was something that I thought about as the weather is getting warmer and it's changing. And uh, I was thinking back to something I saw during the winter. I want to flame the parents who send their kids outside 
in shorts in the fucking winter. And I don't know if this is a thing in New York, but it's definitely a thing in the suburbs and, and, and New England. So I remember it was like the coldest day in winter, like wind chill of like negative 18. And I'm out, you know, I'm dressed in a suit. I got my overcoat on, I got a scarf, I got gloves. I got fucking hat on, my hands in my pockets. And I walk by this dad with his two kids and his daughter walks by and she has on her winter coat and her winter hat and she has on her snow boots and she has on like leggings or whatever running to get to wherever the fuck they're going because it's freezing out. The dad, same shit. Winter coat, pants, boots, hat on his head, scarf. His son, winter coat, basketball shorts, basketball sneakers, no hat. Wind chill of like negative a bazillion. How old was this kid? Look. Kid had to be like 12, 13. And, and, I, and I would see it every day when I'm dropping my kid off to school. You know, like I drop my kids off to school every morning and I would see little boys outside with their basketball shorts on and a fucking hoodie. Or little boys walking to school and walking outside, snow on the ground with like a pair of basketball sneakers, high socks, shorts, and a fucking hoodie. Son, I understand, yo, sometimes finances aren't what they're supposed to be. You can't afford a coat for your kid. I know that motherfucker got long pants somewhere in the house. Don't stay in my side in short shorts. You don't think that maybe they were on their way to basketball practice or something no, like that? No, no, don't, don't fucking smoke screen for these kids. And they're outside in, in basketball shorts and, and, and sneakers and a hoodie walking to schools that don't even have a fucking basketball team. They got badminton and lacrosse. Okay, all right, all right. So um, <clears throat> I don't have anything for um, take out the trash, but um, I would like to pat somebody on the back. So I'm gonna call her Dr. Farmer, just to leave her name out. Uh, here it goes. I met the father of my children in 2006. We will refer to him as Dr. D for deadbeat. Um, we were both attending OU. Uh, we had a deep crush on each other. And when we finally started dating, we fell fast and recklessly into a relationship. We were together for four years before we had any children. We both had graduated from college and were full-time working adults. I found out I was pregnant with twins the year after I finished college. What a shock. I definitely was not trying to have kids at age 24, especially not twins. Now, here's a part most people don't know. Uh, D had a child with a woman from college that he seldom saw red flag number one that she missed. Uh, I insisted that he get a DNA test if he was going to be a distant father. Uh, the DNS came, test came back the same week that I found out I was having twins. It was not his child. So I thought he was ready to be a dad in a real relationship and start our life together. Well, he didn't take the pregnancy test at all. On May 9th, 2010, uh, D for deadbeat strangled me and tried to kill my dog. I was five months pregnant with the twins. I got away about lying, about meeting my asthma inhaler in the car, and I ran. Red fucking flag, she says, number 2,000 or 202. Sorry, there's too many twos here. There's too many numbers. Number 202,747,000. <laughs> 339 that she missed. Yeah. So fast forward to August 2010, twins were coming unexpectedly early and she was scared. She hadn't spoke to deadbeat since the traumatic domestic violence situation, but she called him, he came to the hospital and she eventually let him come help and they ended up living together. Fast forward to 2011, she found out she was pregnant again. She says, Lord Jesus, help me. He was emotionally abusive and made physical threats all the time. She was ready to get out of the relationship and honestly went to the doctor just to see if she could have an abortion, but she was already in her second trimester. She had a whole child brewing for about five months and had no idea. So then came her next child. Um, I'm not gonna say his name, 
but she calls him her feet, her sweet, fat, chunky, monkey baby. Thank Aww. God that she didn't have that abortion. Here it is 2012. She applied for pharmacy school. She got an interview, had an interview less than two weeks after the baby was born, and she had to walk slowly because she had a C-section and stitches and didn't want to tell the school that she had three infants at home. She got into pharmacy school. Uh, Deadbeat got increasingly furious with her, probably because he was mad that, uh, you know, she was going to be something and didn't need him. Right. Started glaring at her for hours while throwing things through the wall, toppling the refrigerator over. She said she had enough and had to stay awake all night to make sure that he didn't harm her and the babies while he, she slept. She literally opened the door and started walking and her friend who lived close came and picked her up as she hid in a car wash. She called Deadbeat to tell him the police were on the way to pick up the kids and all she could hear was him breaking everything in the house. She left one more month before pharmacy school. He co-parented scarcely for about a year, then moved to Colorado and didn't even tell her and had a whole going away party and everything. God damn it. She hasn't seen him once since 2014. No, she's seen him once since 2014. He doesn't help. He doesn't have a working phone. She hasn't received child support since 2014. She can't even locate him to serve papers for child support. She's been having a hard time financially um, and can't do anything besides pay bills and clothe the children. She does all of this by herself and she genuinely loves it is how she ends. She says she does get stressed out and she does cry and she can't take her kids to activities or put them in dance because she's at work and she doesn't have the money and she says that single parenting is hard. She says it's a daunting task to guide your child's development and their character and provide for them and love for them. Um, and Answering questions about why they don't have a dad is rough. However, all the joys of parenting are enough to keep her going. And um, I am proud of this woman. I am proud to hear from her. And I just wanted to pat her on the back and also say that uh, I looked at her Instagram page. Mama's, mom, mama is nice, yo. I don't know what the Son. fuck is going on. Son. Mama looks nice. Yo, as you're reading this, <laughs> I'm like, I know Dr. Farmer. And I'm not putting I'm not putting her IG out there. No, yo, let's not do that. But ah, ma, ma, you are a smoke show. Yes, yo, and and she does her thing with her kids. Yes, and she's a professional. Yes, yo, big ups to you. Big ups, big ups, and extra props to you because she's also a sweetheart of a person. So yes. like, her baby daddy fucked up. That's his loss. Uh, in addition to that, I got one. I want to tell you why I'm mad. Go ahead. Right. Let, let the rant begin. Okay. So uh, I took my kid to the park the other day, right? Yep. This is park around the corner from where I live, right? And uh, he has these trains that he carries, right? They connect to the Thomas the Train thing. So he's got these trains. He's got four or five more on the hook, and he's wandering around holding them up like this in his arm while he's going up the monkey bars or the stairs or whatever else it is to get to the top of this thing where the slide is. You know, kids come over, and they want to grab it. And take it from him. He ain't got no problem pushing and saying, no, this is mine or whatever it is. I told his ass not to carry those things up there on the thing or in the park because it was going to be a problem. But he says no. Right. And then he eventually brings them back to me and asks me to hold them for it. But he won't let me hold it in my hand. He tells me to put it in my pocket. So I put it in my pocket. And then he runs back up to the top of the stairs. And he's on the top of this like little, you know, castle thing where they got slides that way, slides this way, the circular slide that goes around the other. Yeah. Right? And I see him getting into it with these two girls up there, right? Two young girls. Let's just say they were a year older than him, him or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. So I walk over, you know, because, you know, it's dangerous for anybody to be pushing or fighting around up there, right? Right. Um, and I say, hey, what's going on? 
And she said something. I didn't really understand what she said. And I said, okay, but no fighting, all right? And she said, okay. And then they just went on, right? But the way I saw it, I saw is that either he said something to her or she said something to him, and then she swung at him first, right? She swung on him? Yeah. Wow. So they come down. They go to the ice cream truck. And I'm watching. He's up there again. And then he's talking to some other two kids. And um, then this one kid swings at him again. Yo! So I go over there. There's an older kid who's probably seven or eight, maybe nine or seven or eight. And there's this younger kid who's probably two and a half, who's probably younger than Miles. That's the one that swung off, right? Oh, so the uh, little one. The little one. So I go over there and I say to the older kid, no, no fighting. What's the problem? And the older kid turns to me and said, he keeps saying he's Spider-Man. So fucking what? His name is Miles. Miles. So fucking what? If my kid wants to say he's fucking Spider-Man, so fucking what? what? How does he that bother you? How does that take away from who the fuck you are if he's saying that he's Spider-Man? So the other kid hits him again. And I look at this kid and I get ready to say something to him, right? And I look at him. And let me tell you what I see. First of all, he's younger than Miles, or he looks like he's the same age, but he's probably a little younger. Have you ever seen these guys walking around with cornrows in their hair that look like they should have been rebraided at least a month ago? Absolutely. Okay. He had that in his hair. Yeah. And then between the bottom of his nose and the top lip of his mouth was snot. Snot, but it was thick and it was white and it was fresh. So I turn around to look to see who his mom is. Right. And the only thing I see is these teenage kids over in the corner playing. And I said, this kid ain't out here with his parents. He's out here with his big brother or his big sister who ain't really paying attention to him. I said, Miles, come on, let's go. Right. So what am I mad at? I'm mad at these parents that send their kids out to the fucking park and they ain't paying no attention to what the fuck their kids is doing. Watch your kids. Watch your kids. Yo. Wipe your kid's nose. I don't want your kid touching my kid and then he bring that cold or whatever it is into the house and now I'm sick too? <laughs> fuck, yo. So spread, spread a bubonic plague. No, watch your fucking kids. Oh. Wipe your kid's nose. God bless the baby, but the parents, fuck you. <laughs> That's why I'm mad. Yo, I, yo, I, I, and going through the fucking navigating the playground paradigm and the fucking disease infested petri dish that is having young children, bless you. Bless you. And fuck that. Your son is Spider Man. Miles Morales, son. What? <laughs> Do we have anything else today for today? Nah, man. I, you know, I, I, I don't have anything I'm particularly mad about other than, you know, fucking dress your kids appropriately. I'm good. All right. So, uh, I'm going to close up with our call to action. Um, we're going to see you in two weeks, but until then, follow us on Instagram at Single Dad Why You Mad. Visit our website at www.singledadwhyyoumad.com. Subscribe, comment, rate, and review us on Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, SoundCloud Stitcher, and all other podcast platforms. Hey, I'll talk to you during the week, and uh, we'll do this again in two weeks. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Yo, we'll be back. Say they can't find Saddam bin Laden. They send the wrong motherfucker to look for him. Don't send the Navy or the Air Force. Send child support. Oh, that's the motherfucker that'll find them. They found my black ass, but they can't find his ass. You got to go to child support court. That's the funniest shit on earth. But you got to get there real early in the morning.
Cause you see, you see brothers going in the court talking about, I ain't paying that bitch shit. That hoe ain't getting a penny. You see him come out three hours later, I can't pay this shit. Let me talk to you, baby, please. Let me talk to the witness, Your Honor. Let me talk to the witness. Brother be working for three weeks, get his check, is $43. He go to his supervisor, who is this motherfucker garnishment? They show him a picture of his baby mama.